on this week's episode, the community's quest against Dungeons and Dragons, Netflix's good start to 2023, and the tenuous future for Rick and Morty. All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the P. C.C. Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do whatever it is that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, The Lakers Fast Break, Wizards and Wine, Vampires and Vitae, The Wild Beyond the Witchlight, the fantastic things that you need to go ahead and check out at The Wild Beyond the Witchlight with Wizards and Wine on YouTube, Vampires and Vitae on YouTube, and everything that we do here right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, where we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every day for you at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. Plus, go ahead and like and subscribe wherever you find us on social media, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you can do all that, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend. She is the inner catacombs of Casa de la Barkhouse. She is my good <laughs> friend. She is the fantastic leader of all things. Don't tell Robbie Ross. Of all things, Vampires and Vitae, and of course, also as well, Wizards and Wine with Wild Beyond the Witchlight. Some amazing tabletop RPG games are headed your way. She's also a major part of the Demolition Force, and so much more. She is my good friend. It is Melinda Barkhouse-Ross. And Melinda, great to have you back. We're rocking it once again, and you've got a lot of clothes hanging around you. Good thing it's not like some creepy type of thing where they're all ready to reach out and grab you. Why would you put that in my head? That's that's not nice. <laughs> What's the old 70s song? Abra, Abra, Cadabra. There you yes. go. Yeah, yeah. No, um, this is my office. Uh, my office is actually in our closet. Okay. That's it has the best me. acoustics, sound dampening. It's wonderful in here. Yeah, it just felt like that's where I wanted to be today when I was talking to you, so reminds me of actually my closet as well i've got a walk-in closet i'm fortunate enough to have one as well and mm-hmm. it started out back in 2011 when we first moved in as far as half mine half my wife and slowly yeah. over the course of years and a little more a little more a little yeah. more yeah a little more yeah. <laughs> until yeah. suddenly <laughs> i think i have just like one half of one rack left in the entire walk-in closet so i'll just yeah uh this is robbie's this is robbie's side of the closet over here and you'll notice like dresses are starting to show up over Mm -hmm. here 
<laughs> over here on his side. So, yeah, he feels he feels your pain. <laughs> Welcome to married life, indeed. Yeah. But we've got a great episode on tap for you. Got a lot of things to talk about. Got a major discussion as more things are coming up as far as the Dungeons and Dragons controversy. A lot of communities within the realm that are normally a staple of Dungeons and Dragons are starting to branch out and starting to do things on their own. Open sourcing is the way to go right now, and that's not going to help Dungeons and Dragons cause at all because of what they're doing and the actions that they're taking and all the things that are going on with them. So we'll talk about that coming up in a bit. Plus also as well, Netflix's good start for 2023. Not only did they show a trailer earlier this week with over, I think, 40 films on the slate. It's not quite what it was a couple of years ago when they produced 80 films that ended up on the Netflix screen. But still, that's a ton of films coming up. And also, they reported some good, they reported some real good numbers, well above expectations. We'll tell you if the ad-free and the ad-full tiers are working for them. That's coming up in a bit. Plus also as well, some uh, not actually not too pleasant news. Disturbing news when it comes to a famous show that is very much beloved and the tenuous future because the creator or one of the guys behind Rick and Morty is in a lot of trouble. And we'll tell you or we'll try to guesstimate if there's a, also a tenuous future for Rick and Morty. That's coming up on the show. Plus also as well... The early returns are in for the first episode of The Last of Us on HBO Max and HBO. And uh, quite frankly, it's been a hit. How much of a hit? We'll talk about that. And we're already going ahead and going to talk about if this adaptation is the best video game adaptation ever. That's coming up along with some other news and thoughts coming up on the show as well. But first, Melinda, it is something that is very, very important to you, and that's the current Dungeons & Dragons controversy, Wizards of the Coast, the parent company, and their parent company, Hasbro. It goes up the food chain on that. Because of what we talked about on a previous show in regards to the grand design and as far as the remaking or the reimagining of the Dungeons & Dragons, uh, how they source out their name and their their gameplay and everything that's involved with it as far as how they conduct business with other entities wanting to utilize their experience going forward again i don't blame them for wanting to monetize it a little bit more but to the extent that has been talked about or also been reported on in leaked documents is very troubling so much so it's put the community in uproar we've already talked about that but the latest efforts and the latest news is about how not only people are jettisoning away from dungeons and dragons in droves but all the companies now that have announced open sourcing for their platforms including one we're familiar with with free league who we just cannot thank enough for all the great stuff that they provided us over the past couple months they announced their own, own open sourcing. And to me, this is a very biting issue, one that has effects on all of us that plays tabletop role-playing games. Absolutely. So I understand. Okay, wait, let me start at the beginning. So we got Hasbro, you've got Dungeons and Dragons, and then you've got third-party creators, and then you've got fans, right? Mm-hmm. That play the games. 
at home around their kitchen table. And we all know that the smelly stuff rolls downhill, right? Always. Always. So you got the Hasbro guys at the top going, wait, you mean to tell me they just need to buy one book and they have content and they can just play it for a year and they never have to come back to get anything from us? Is that true? And Dungeons and Dragons was like, well, yeah, that's that's how it's always been. And they were like, let's look into that a little bit more. Let's see if we can add in some microtransactions to things like a digital platform. Why do... Why do we not have our own virtual tabletop? Why do we not? Why do we not? Why do we not? These are all things that, from a business perspective, I can understand. And we talked about 1D&D, their grand vision for an all-encompassing D&D. That's not a problem. I don't have a problem with that. No, no. It's it's how they'll allow other people to utilize Dungeons & Dragons in their own games is what I'm having a problem with. Yeah. So what is irking people is that you have these third-party creators. So you have places like Cobalt Press. They're just the ones that I know the most. They've had the most, used the most of their content. So Cobalt Press, they've been in business for, I don't know, let's ballpark it at about 15, 20 years, right? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you're going to try to drop a new thing that says, no, sorry, you can't do that anymore. And you can't copyright game mechanics. So I'm, I'm a little bit confused about what exactly they're... Ch- I understand what they're trying to do. I'm just confused about how they're trying to do it. Um, with the latest um, kind of update that they've done on the new OGL license, um, it's over on D&D Beyond. If you are interested, please go have a look. Um, but... It looks like now it's not going to affect um, YouTube uh, channels. It's not going to affect podcasts. It's not going to affect live streams. Um, it's not going to affect, um, you know, that that kind of content. But virtual tabletops are still very much on the block for this. And it's because they're arguing, and this is just a little minutia thing that I read, and it's very, very specific, but they're arguing that, for example... If you have a sword swing animation on your virtual tabletop, that's something that you would not experience if you were sitting around your kitchen table playing Dungeons and Dragons. So they're arguing that that makes it closer to video game than it does to tabletop. So there's a little bit of like weird interpretation of things (laughs) when it comes to that stuff. Like they're getting so specific and they're getting so... I, w- I want to say nitpicky, but I know that there's a better way to put it. But Detail oriented? Uh, yeah, um, about exactly what is and what is not allowed. And I suppose when you own something like Dungeons & Dragons, um, you would want to be very, very specific. And you would want things to be very clear. The only thing, really, that the community has asked for is that the licensing that's in effect right now, for that never to be revoked. Leave that in place. But that's not what they're talking about doing. They're still talking about getting rid of this one and bringing in a new one. And then everything from that day forward will fall under the new license. And everything that came before would fall under the old license, sort of, from my understanding of it. It's very vague. And I'm just going to tell you right now, Melinda, I know where this is going. It's going to a court. 
whether it's here or overseas, yeah. it's going to a court. Yeah, it I definitely see a feels. And it, it, maybe this is my yeah. Southern California background, but it is going <laughs> to a court near you. Yeah, and I mean, you you've got, you know, if so, if you're if you're writing a campaign right now for Dungeons and Dragons, keep writing it. But instead of having Fireball available in your game, call it Sphere of, Sphere of Fire or something. Like, call it something else. Because you never know exactly what's going to come down in this next version of the OGL. And they went on to D&D Beyond, and there is a post that you can see from the executive director of Dungeons & Dragons. And he was talking about this timeline that they're going to use and they're going to be a lot more transparent, a lot more open with the discussions and feedback from the community. And as long as that happens, because they've been playtesting one D and D stuff for, you know, a number of months now. And the best way, the fastest way that fans were able to get their point across about how unhappy they were about this was by fans canceling their D and D beyond subscriptions. And they, so many people went on to do it that they crashed the servers for D&D Beyond. And you, it was inaccessible from certain countries because it was just crashing stuff all over the place. So this two-way communication thing that they set up with D&D Beyond kind of came back to bite them in the buns a little bit um, when all of this started. And now they're trying to do what they should have done from the very beginning and said, hey, guys, we need to revamp a couple of things in the OGL. Uh, we're we're going to work with you guys on this, though, to make sure that everybody is happy about it. We're just trying to make sure that D&D as an entity isn't falling into the hands of um, content makers who are going to create content that we are not pleased to be represented by. So anything that is, um, you know, uh, distasteful, let's just use that, politically incorrect, um, anything that just wouldn't be acceptable by today's standards. That's the kind of stuff that I think that they're really trying to, to get to and to stop. Um, but it also feels like a slippery slope. I don't know. I don't know where they're going to go from here. I know where I'm going from here, but I don't know where they're going to go. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? So let me get this straight. We're going to play a like a video game together? or Well, not exactly. Okay, fine. Where's the controller? Oh, uh, that's it's it's right here. This is literally a sheet of paper. I don't understand what you here. You're gonna need these two dice. You just hand. Are these even dice? We are gonna play Vampire the Masquerade. It's a role-playing game. What kind of vampire do you want to be? Okay, now you're telling me there's more than one kind of vampire. Oh, my friend, you have no idea. There's an Osferatu. There's Vampires and Vitae, an actual play podcast. I'm just going to say this out loud, that mm -hmm. when it comes to what you're seeing with this whole thing, it starts off with Hasbro. Hasbro has been a struggling company over the past year or so. Mm -hmm. They've uh, not gone in the right direction. Obviously, toys, uh, the actual uh, marketplace has not grown exponentially as in some other areas. When video games blew up in the in the time of, of covid early on everybody had to be home uh, i don't think their parts of the business uh, really were accentuated by it because hasbro has never really succeeded that well on a video game platform the dungeon dragon's name has never succeeded that well on a video game or a film 
or television <laughs> platform. And now Absolutely. you were on the verge. We talked about this year being a good year for entertainment for Dungeons and Dragons with a film and possibly a television series on Paramount Plus added after it. Now people are talking about boycotting the D&D movie, which is, you know, uh, this is a film that needs all the help it can get to mm -hmm. be successful because you can already see that, you know, the, the reviews will probably be just, uh, you know, mediocre at best to be something that D&D uh, fans will go to, but will anybody else? Now D&D fans are, are boycotting it. That's not going to help it. And I really think this movie and I really think the community needs to separate themselves from that, yes, I understand it's Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast profiting from it, but you know, if if a D and D movie doesn't work, and a D and D uh, show gets canceled over this on Paramount Plus, there will never be any D and D projects for a long time coming down the road that will will garner any steam outside of what you're seeing. And Hasbro needs to make money; it needs to generate income, uh, you know, other than what they're doing. Because yes, they own a, a ton of toy properties. They own a ton of properties out there, game, board game, you know, a whole, whole ton of properties out there, but they need to go ahead and run a business. And I understand them wanting a little bit more of the piece of the pie when it comes to D&D. They see this huge entity, which only grew massively over the course of the past couple of years during the pandemic, because people had to stay home or go online and do something. And obviously playing a role-playing game online has been extremely popular. That's how we met. Yeah, was BS through this. So I'm really thinking that, uh, you know, the major changes was very short sighted and what leaked as far as the documents that really got this thing all started. I don't mind them trying wanting to, again to try and make a little bit more money out of the D&D &D name and D&D &D products, but they need to work with the community and say, hey, we need to generate more revenue to stay afloat as an entire company. Please help us find ways to do that. And I think the community will embrace it at least a little bit more. Yeah. It, like I said, if they had been transparent like that from the very beginning, and if they hadn't have released that article on D&D Beyond that was just full of sorry, not sorry about it stuff, mm -hmm. you know, and it was, it was combative, it was confrontational, it was, you're going to hear people saying that um, because we're not uh, enacting this version of the OGL, the new OGL licensing, um, you're going to hear people claim that they won. They didn't. We did. You know, stuff like that that was in this letter was really the nail in the coffin for me. That That's hard for me to swallow as a fan. I'm tired of getting involved in these fandoms that turn around and say, I don't like my fans. I know that you've always had issues with that being the super Star Trek fan that you are. Yeah. I've kind of put, I, I be honest with you, I... I'm a good fan of the series. I've never been considered a, a true Trekkie as far as mm -hmm. that's concerned like you. So maybe it hasn't bothered me as much, but I'm very yeah. well aware of it. The Star Wars community, obviously they keep having a, a little bit uh, back and forth, you know, because it all emanates from Disney now. But when it comes to Dungeons and Dragons, which has based its whole entire success for decades now, on people taking whatever base game that they produce or put out there, whatever edition in the past, you know, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and people running it with it from there, using their imagination to take it from there. Despite whatever modules they put out there, there's hundreds more adventures, thousands more adventures, millions more adventures that have been created up by 
people all over the world that have taken that and then some. I mean, our adventures since Demolition Force started, we would go on different adventures that we created based off of other IP that are relating to Dungeons & Dragons, but still use the D&D model as far as uh, you know the basic game mechanics like you talked about. So I think the importance of what D&D stands for is great. I think the fact that they want a little bit more piece of the pie is understandable, but yeah. the way they went about it is probably one of the dumbest things they've ever done in the history of Dungeons and Dragons. Right. And now Hasbro has shown this to be a bit of a trend with them. Look what they've done to Magic the Gathering. They've saturated the market. They sold cards for thousands of dollars that you can't even play. So they've messed that game up royally. So now I guess it's D&D's turn. So I, I don't know what other IPs Hasbro owns when it comes to games, but everybody should be a little bit concerned about this. But what I love that's coming out of all of this, Gerald, is that I have my Facebook feed now full of more um, tabletop games and ads for tabletop games. And, hey, we have open source licensing over here at XYZ Games. You should come and check out our lineup of, of RPGs and, and stuff like that. To me, that's wonderful. I hope that these people and fans uh, who've been playing D&D for years if they are truly going to turn around and walk away from Dungeons and Dragons, it's only going to make the tabletop role-play game community bigger and better and stronger and more diverse with more voices being heard. So I'm excited for that silver lining that's coming out of all of this. Well, one of the things I want to ask you is mm -hmm. that there has to be now alternatives because of the fact that People are so upset. And we talked about this before the show about, you know, how people now will start looking more seriously mm -hmm. at a side of the world of tabletop role-playing games that they were never looking at for because they were always happy within the realm of Dungeons and Dragons and everything was cool. But there was always this subset, this universe of great tabletop RPG games. Warhammer. For example. To start off with on that. Like you said, with all the different ones that are out there that want a bigger piece of the pie, have always clamored for a bigger piece of the pie, but couldn't have a bigger piece of the pie because the behemoth known as Dungeons and Dragons and anything relating from it was just so large. What are the options for that, you know, for others? Because you said so many now are going to an open sourcing plan going forward. What are the options for people out there if they are tired of the way D&D &D is being structured and, and do not like a future with Dungeons & Dragons? There's so many options out there. There's even the option for you to continue to play D&D. &D. Just don't buy Wizards of the Coast content anymore. Buy the stuff from Cobalt Press instead. Wizards of the Coast isn't going to get any of that money. Well, they may. We'll see what the licensing has to say. But it's a much smaller piece of the pie than if you're buying you know, for example, the Wild Beyond the Witchlight from Wizards of the Coast. Um, but some, I mean, just some of the games, we already have a handful of them that, you know, we've mentioned before. We've got the One Ring, uh, which has been really interesting. You've got Cyberpunk, all of the World of Darkness stuff. So there's Mummy, Mage, uh, Vampire the Masquerade, Werewolf the Apocalypse. There's a thousand different versions of Werewolf out there. Lord of the Rings, which yeah. is separate from the One Ring. And I've got my good old friend right here, which I just got. Again, incredible and amazing as it is. You've got, as we see, Blade Runner. That yeah. just came out. That IP is now a role-playing game. That has been a tremendous boost as well. 
A lot of people mm-hmm. are really happy with that. Like you said, the Lord, Lord of the Rings, One Ring. The, there's just so many options out there. Oh, of and, course, our our friends in Finland who created Defiance that we've had yes, on the show. They're absolutely. wonderful. The game is so good and so interesting and such a, a, a very different way to tell a story. The, the dice mechanics are very, very different from D&D. Um, and there's only, from what I have seen, only a couple of actual plays out there. They do have a Discord, though. So if you join that, they'll help, they'll help you figure out the game. They'll teach you how to play the game. They're wonderful. And uh, I can't recommend that one enough. That one's a fun one. I've seen Fallout. I've seen other mm-hmm. types of uh, familiar IP that utilize Alien, which you've talked about earlier before. I know we've got yep. some uh, material on that. Can you utilize that at any time for a great game? I mean, uh, for well, there's Star whatever. Wars, there's Star Trek, you know, the yeah, list goes exactly. on and on and on. Yeah. Yeah. Modifius, there was Star Trek. Uh, and like yep. you said, Star Wars, Marvel has uh, mm-hmm. dipped their toe in the water more than once. The Spy Game, which I mentioned a, a few months back, I think that's yep. something that, you know, if, if we ever wanted to get into, feel like a 007 type deal, that would be awesome. I know Spectre themselves is a licensed 007 uh, uh, tabletop RPG game style deal. So it's also something I think a lot of people would get into. But I will say, though, that, again, there are options out there, but it's very distressing. So I think we'll close this half hour with asking you this as the expert on tabletop RPG games. What is the future going to be, the short term and maybe even possibly the long term for Dungeons & Dragons based off their decisions of note of recent? There is a chasm-sized break in the trust between D&D players and Wizards of the Coast right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's going to sound melodramatic and it's going to sound like it's all a bit much, but um, I think that a lot of D&D players and a lot of D&D creators are hurt deeply. And it feels very personal to them because this is a game that they have taken, they've put it in their own hands and they've molded and created these wonderful adventures and stories around the table with their friends. So it's a very personal and it's a very deep hurt that fans of D&D are feeling right now. I won't be surprised if you do see a lot of people shift away. And then perhaps over the next couple of years, you may see people trickle back into D&D. But right now, I think it's a wonderful opportunity for a lot of these, um, you know, D&D alternatives uh, to go ahead and, and raise their hands and just say, hey, we're over here. We're fun. We won't ever demand that you give us 20% of the thing that you have labored on and worked on and had no feedback or input from us whatsoever. We would never do that. Come over to our table. And that's something I think is very encouraging that there are going to be alternatives that you can go to right now Mm -hmm. and in the coming months and in the future as far as the table world of tabletop RPG gaming is concerned. So you don't necessarily have to rely on Dungeons and Dragons to get your fix for tabletop RPG games. And I think it's something that I know from hearing and seeing your anger and angst, you, whether it's on social media or whether it's on the show over the past uh, few weeks in regards to this, I, I see something that in you and I'm sure Robbie feels as well, as far as a, a different direction that you just want to go to even more and try out new things within the realm of tabletop RPGs. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we just went into the third chapter of the wild beyond the Witchlight, And 
if I thought that it wouldn't break the trust between myself and my players at the table, I would drop this and I would change to a different system right now. But I've uh, committed to the Wild Beyond the Witchlight with both of the tables that I DM for. And I think that it's important for me to see it the rest of the way through. I also think that it's better for me personally to just hang on, let myself cool down, relax a little bit, be less upset by everything that's happening. And when we finish the Wild Beyond the Witchlight, then we can look around and see what's going on. That's not to say that I'm not sampling and having little tasters from other gaming systems, because if we do decide to switch away from Wizards of the Coast, I need to be ready to go with something in my hands right away for my tables, and I need to be able to teach them how to play it. And I need them to get as comfortable as they are in a new system as they are and have been with the Dungeons & Dragons system. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at right now. But where's the famous Melinda standing outside, you know, right there this time at Wizards of the Coast? Everybody's having their lunch. Everybody's doing great at work. And then all of a sudden they see this this crazy woman outside <laughs> standing out with a sign that says, hey, don't yeah. suck. Change yeah. now. Yeah. Make well, me happy. See, what's beautiful about this is some of these other third-party publishers have lawyers who are going to do that. So they don't they don't need me to take this fight on and, you know, stand outside of the office with, you know, a ghetto blaster on my shoulder and a sign in my hand. They don't need me to do that right now. What oh, they need so, me to it's do. It's so fun hearing the cops. And, you know, <laughs> there's, yeah. a, there's a, a strange lady right outside uh, Wizards of the Coast. Uh, she's holding a sign. And she <laughs> yeah. has a radio over her shoulder. Yeah. She is shouting something. Um, yeah. I really can't think it's it's going to be very good for public consumption, what she's saying right now. Whole lot of expletives, whole yeah. lot of expletives right there for you. Yeah, but honestly, there are just people who are um, in a much uh, better position and much better spoken than I am when it comes to the legalese and all of that kind of stuff who are taking it to the boys right at the office. And uh, it's just not something that I feel I physically need to get involved in. I'm going to protest with my dollars. I'm taking that stance this time around. But what are your thoughts out there on the growing controversy that's still continuing with the Wizards of the Coast, Dungeons and Dragons, and the way they want to control the future of how everyone plays D&D? Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. And if you're ready to talk toys, I haven't stopped talking toys. Let's get to it. It's the Jay and Rob Toy Show, and we're back for season two for 10 more episodes of Toy Talking Goodness. And this time, we talk Marvel figures, we talk DC figures, Holy Grails, play sets, what if scenarios, and so much more. But we're not alone. We've brought a few friends with us this time. All that, and of course, our action figure spotlight. So check out the Jay and Rob Toy Show season two, exclusively on Jinx Esports TV Canada. Well, it's one and a half hour down. One half hour to go here at the Pop Culture Cosmos right here for the PCC Multiverse. Thanks so much for watching and listening. Hopefully you are enjoying your weekend, my friend. One of the things people do to enjoy the weekend is Netflix. And after uh, some sluggish times, some disappointing numbers, they came back earlier today and reported well over 7 million new subscribers that they've added on, exceeding their, uh, their estimation, their projections by... Two or three million, I believe, which is well beyond what Wall Street expected. So they're happy. The investors are happy. 
the number is now well above 220 million. Their their ad supported tier is actually in their numbers and the way they they to paraphrase to paraphrase it is doing very solidly for them and they were able to keep uh, a lot of viewers over the course of the holiday which obviously is good for them i think i really attribute that to knives out a lot of that because uh, knives out was such a big success for them the success of wednesday and the fact that it remained such a success week in and week out for the month of December, I think, is also very much to go ahead and talk about because people were really, really interested in that. It's one of the most popular shows, I think, by surprise to a lot of people, including inside Netflix in quite some time. Netflix has a great slate of, of movies coming up, almost 40 from what I was able to count coming up here in the new year. And they've got great shows along the way, like the 90s show, which just dropped, which was a spiritual successor to the Fox series, the 80s show, with many of the same cast members being involved with it. Your thoughts on Netflix? I mean, uh, there was some concern you and I had when they first announced this, first announced this ad-supported tier. They raised the price. A lot of people were getting very antsy, a little bit upset, but that hasn't seemed to slow anyone down from watching Netflix. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it has. And, you know, that 7 million subscription bump is likely due to the crackdown on password sharing, mm-hmm. right? Have they, uh, have they enacted that yet? They haven't gone yet? full into it yet. They haven't gone yeah. full into it yet, but they will. But a, they keep the threat of it, yeah, the threat of it was probably enough to get some people mm-hmm. to go ahead and put their own credit card in the machine instead of mom and dad's, you know? Yeah. Um, but no, I'm I'm not really not surprised. I, I didn't think that Netflix was going to be down and out for too long. And if I, you know, I think sometimes too, when you see stuff like net Netflix is losing money, they're hemorrhaging money. They've just they've got to axe all of this stuff. Um, I think that it's our reaction to overreact to that. And obviously, looking at what they've got going on right now, um, perhaps people were a little too quick to say this is the end of Netflix. I don't think there's going to be an end to Netflix. I think it's going to evolve and continue to, but I don't think that we're ever going to see the demise of Netflix. Well, there's also other areas which they could explore into that they've just started, like you talked about, scratching the surface of. I know the video game market is something that's intrigued them. Whether or not they actually get that going to the point where they are thought of as a true entity within that gaming space that remains to be seen i know they've announced a couple of projects over the course of the past few weeks that have gotten some notoriety but you know nothing to the realm that you know people are going to get excited over or go ahead and drop elden ring or drop Fortnite or drop whatever it is that they're doing but it is something that they're trying and looking out for their obviously their love for video game adaptations which amazes me how they let Sony walk with one of the best video game adaptations of all time, which we'll talk about here in a bit mm-hmm. in The Last of Us. How that ever walked to HBO instead of walking on the Netflix, especially with the Sony Netflix Love Fest, is beyond me. But be that as it may, Netflix has still made a lot of right decisions lately. And I know a lot of people panned the Knives Out sequels, you know, Netflix's decision to only put it in a limited amount of theaters for a short period of time because you know 
when you look at it, you know, they, they, le- they actually, they left a lot of money on the table when it concerns a lot of upfront box office dollars when they only put it on a limited amount of screens for a limited amount of time. But in hindsight, as far as for their subscribership, that was a brilliant move because it made people wait through the holidays and to Christmas when they finally released it so they could check it out so that they would basically be having their subscription for uh, you know the rest of that month and into 2023. Yeah, and I mean the the successes of the shows and the movies that we've seen just recently on on Netflix, um, it's just more proof in the pudding that somebody in that building has a really good idea of what they're doing. So I'm I'm okay with that. Okay, as long as you're okay with that, so. I'm okay with it. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair enough. They're right there, the seal of approval, the the Melinda seal of approval, right here I for the Pop Culture Cosmos. Desperately wish that meant something, but it really doesn't. <laughs> box quote, box quote yeah. from Melinda Barkhouse Ross, right there for you. <laughs> but once again, it is Netflix exceeding Wall Street's expectations in regards to the number of subscriberships in the latter part of financial period for 2022 for them. Obviously a great success that they were able to hold and maintain a lot of people with Wednesday, a successful series that was The Crown. And also as well, you got to talk about what they did with with Harry and of course, everything leading up to the movie release of Knives Out and Pinocchio as well. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, which has been an award winner and been named to a lot of nominations for a lot of different awards as well. So obviously that has been very successful for them. So that, that has led to them having a successful latter latter part of 2022. And actually with their movie slate coming up with 40 movies this year being released and everything going on with all the new shows, the new seasons, the finality of Stranger Things, Cobra Kai, a new Wednesday that's going to be coming up for a season two. So, you know, that's on the way after the massive success of that. So your thoughts out there on the future for Netflix. It's looking pretty good right now. We'll see how it goes. But 2023 got off to a good start for Netflix. Your thoughts on Netflix in 2023. Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Before we hit the break, my friend... Some troubling news in the world of Rick and Morty. Justin Roiland, who we had talked about, uh, you know, riding high off the success of another great season of Rick and Morty. And then on top of that, the game he helped produce and had a major say in and also is a major part as far as providing some of the voice work for High on Life, which was one of the major releases for the Xbox slate in 2022 because of so many delays it came out in late December and actually killed it uh, right there on the Xbox, outperforming expectations and becoming a big surprise hit for Xbox as they entered uh, 2023. And then you hear of the domestic abuse charges against Justin Roiland, which he is currently contesting right now. And we've seen these type of things before. In fact, we just uh, saw it the other day with Dana White, the head of USC, and you know, that's actually on tape on TMZ that actually was recorded with him and his wife getting into a, a little uh, scuffle. And we've seen the fallout from that. And he uh, got no repercussions from that. And 
you know, his league, the ironically named Power Slap League, came out the other day on television and just tanked in the ratings. That looks like it's going to be a miserable failure. Who knows about the UFC, the the uh, the company that he's run for so long? We've seen the past when, when there's this type of controversy, it obviously adversely affecting the seriousness and the the success of many of these these properties in the past. I think Rick and Morty, I don't, I don't want to say it's in trouble. I don't want to say it's doomed or dead, but its days could be numbered. Yeah, that's definitely the reaction from fans. I'm seeing a lot of people saying, well, this ex-Rick and Morty fan or, uh, you know, I sad to say, but this was my last season watching Rick and Morty. I'm seeing a lot of stuff like that on social media. So I'm not surprised to see that reaction out of fans. I am a little bit surprised to see it so swiftly i suppose and and widespread i don't know i now maybe i'm not i'm not sure but they're probably under contract for another season unless they cancel it hey unless they cancel it again they're under contract for as many seasons as they want to do it under normal circumstances right but ever since this its future is now in question because uh you know with with adult swim and uh you know, the Comedy Central and all that really, you know, making these shows. And I think Viacom, MTV, I think it all leads to the parent, those parent companies and all that. And I really think that that's something we're going to see going forward as far as this type of show being hurt by it. I think it's a WB property, if I'm not mistaken, because it was in uh, Space Jam and it's been in Rick and Morty are in uh, Multiverses, which is the WB video game. So I believe right. it's a WB property property if i'm not mistaken so i can see wb just you know just axing just putting it, it loose, yeah yeah and just because if these uh charges hold even if he gets a plea deal and, and does no jail time from it and we're talking about justin Roiland here one of the creators of rick and morty that doesn't matter it's still in the public eye and that's something i think that warner brothers give them a reason to cancel a show and we've seen in the past year, they'll cancel your show no matter how good it's doing. So yeah. I really think that the days could be numbered for Rick and Morty unless something dramatically happens. I can tell you right now that the bright future for Justin Roiland and his projects, including, let's say, another High on Life or another relating video game or another year or season of Rick and Morty is not going to be as well received or well desired after what happened. Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't matter if if this even went to court and it was, you know, charges dropped or whatever. I, I don't really know the extent of everything. But if this was something that happened and the charges were dropped or dismissed or he was found innocent or, or whatever the case is, the the court of public appeal has already decided they're already yeah. done with it. Um, yeah. And I think that's that's the hardest part is if all of this comes out to be not what everybody thinks it is right now, not sure how that would happen, but um, I would be curious to see what he would have to go through in order to reclaim things and get things back to where that, where they were. But I that's just don't know. Yeah. I just don't know that that's the thing that is, this is going to be able to recover from. Never the same again for Rick and Morty. Yeah, I I would hazard to say never the same again. I think that's where we're going to land on everything, unfortunately. Yeah. Or fortunately, maybe, you know, maybe this is 
maybe this is the the cost of what happened. I don't know. It's such a creative show, though. It's such a self-remarking, uh, smart, funny, fourth-wall-breaking show. I enjoyed it. Uh, I, I actually didn't think much of it at first, and I got into it like in season five and mm-hmm. thought more of it there and saw the popularity in it. And it's just a shame that, that you just you know, that, that these things happen and, and my heart goes out to the people that were adversely affected by what went on. And of course, you know, yeah. just it's Rick and Morty is, you know, there's a team of people that work for on, on the Rick and Morty thing. Their future is now up. And it's not just that one person. It's not just Justin Roiland. Justin Roiland, whatever the results are, he goes home, still a millionaire. He still goes home, you know, financially sound for the rest of his life because of based off success he's had in the past couple of years. What about the people, though, that work on Rick and Morty every day? What about the guy that's just, you know, work, doing the, the, the runner, what's, uh, the, the grunt workers, the, the everyday working people that, that are part of Rick and Morty, which is their livelihood? That's now very possibly taken away from them. Yeah, absolutely. It's a tough one. It is a tough one indeed. But what are your thoughts out there? Could this be the end of Rick and Morty? Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. Well, my friend, only a few minutes left. We're going to start, uh, we're going to end on a little bit cheery note, my friend. Okay. Yes, as you are in your alternate studio right now it's melinda barkhouse <laughs> ross right there for you watch out watch out watch out for the dress watch out watch out for that coat it's coming at you it's coming at you don't, why well don't don't put that in my head now i'm gonna okay. be back free, there all the free, time free, yeah free, no free, no free, don't free. no it's not, not okay it's not okay before we head on out though i do want to say <laughs> that speaking of uh yeah, supposedly scary stuff it isn't that scary but the Last of Us mm-hmm. debuted on Sunday on HBO and HBO Max. I caught it. Uh, so did I. It it received a lot of advanced praise by mm-hmm. so many that have either seen the first episode or the first season in total because it was sent out to critics. And they were all praising it as uh, one of the greatest video game adaptations ever made very few negative sidebars on it it to me was very faithful to the game which i have played at least the first game which i have played so far and it created some new things new little tweaks on its own especially the the precursor to how everything started as far as the apocalypse the 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 massive fungal uh, outbreak per se and uh, just really did a good job of, of accentuating not only bringing that that opening sequence in the video game to life but accentuating off of it and adding some really cool touches to it and then just going into where they were at in boston and then leaving boston now and heading out into you know whatever dangers lie ahead i really thought it was a great episode and i'm already going to say that 
this so far in one hour has been better than anything I've ever seen uh, on the celluloid or television in regards to a video game adaptation. This is truly the best video game adaptation I've ever seen. Yeah, that, and I think that that's, uh, that's completely warranted. Maybe um, when because I, I was thinking of Halo so much, and I was thinking the exact opposite. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's a pretty low bar to have to get over. Let's be completely yeah. honest. That's like sub and under the floor, you know. Well, they well, again, they have Neil Druckmann, who was so much a part of the video games that created The Last of Us, and is so much a part of creating this series, along with uh, the guy who directed the Emmy Award winning and, and much acclaimed Chernobyl series right. as well so if yes. you're familiar with that with Stellan Skarsgård yeah, that was just a tremendous series and that was a tremendous watch and to see this take a place and to see this out just in envisioning and it 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 accentuated the great parts about the video game and has added on to it yeah I agree uh, there are actually a few people that I've talked to who have been massive fans of the video game and have said that there were times in the show that you were watching and it was shot for shot for shot recreations of scenes and shots that they had in the video game. So uh, if it's if it's getting that kind of praise from people who have been huge parts of uh, you know the game over the years, um, then it it has to be a winner. I think so. I think this. You, so you were very impressed as well with the first yeah, episode. Absolutely, and I had no idea. I didn't realize that Anna Torp was connected to the project. Who. Uh, played Olivia Dunham on Fringe, if anyone is familiar with Fringe from back in the day. Um, so I, w- I was thrilled to see her um, on the small screen. I know she, that she plays was doing Tess, a show. Just to let yeah, she was doing a show down in Australia for a while, so it's it's good to see her back on TV up this way. Yeah, and Pedro Pascal supposedly had to get permission from the folks at the Mandalorian in order to play this to get the time to play this, which is so funny because. That's basically a voiceover role. Let's 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 not kid ourselves. <laughs> That's not Pedro Pascal in most of those scenes in the Mandalorian, yes. as far yeah. as physically. Let's not kid ourselves here. Yeah, so. he probably shoots the days where he's. Well, I guess there was. How often yeah, well, was where, he out of he his takes off his mask, I'm trying to remember. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, I was trying to remember. Like it, it was like a scene, wasn't it? Or yeah, but there's a lot of scenes or a lot of episodes where he doesn't take off his mask, which is the point of the Mandalorian. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Mean, come on. You could <laughs> you could build a booth on the set of The Last of Us, and he can do all the voiceovers for the Mandalorian. Mandalorian. Give me a break. Yeah. Give me a break. That would be that. great. Yeah. Exactly. So, The Last of Us has been a big hit. It is actually the second largest debut for a series since the house of the dragon and those two are the biggest of all time for hbo and hbo max so for a entity that has been struggling mightily over the past year which at this time last year i thought hbo max and it was really doing golden and then i was obviously very wrong because of all the stuff that they are they're mm-hmm. doing their merger with discovery like you were talked about earlier with netflix you thought you know hemorrhaging money hemorrhaging subscribers you know they had to cancel yeah. a ton of shows batgirl movie at whole nine yards they move house party to this past a week and that you know that's obviously met an untimely death i love how they phrased it and they framed about the the massively bad opening for house party last weekend by saying at hbo max well this is just it's just a showcase it's just a prep for for the big debut 
the big real showcasing on HBO and HBO Max. Oh, you mean the one that you should have done earlier last summer when it was really kind of a, a more known entity when it was coming out? Yeah. Well, yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Whoops. Whoops. But uh, I will say they have done what, however bad and however wrong and however dirty they did House Party, they've done right as far as previewing, advertising, and setting up for success, The Last of Us. I was kind of worried. Yeah. I'm going to be honest with you. Were you really? Heading in. I was worried about as far as the faithful adaptation of it. But I was, uh, you know, even with Neil Druckmann there, who is, you know, obviously the creator of it, like I mentioned, of The Last of Us video games, which have been so acclaimed in the video game industry. But I was just worried that Warner Brothers meddling would have led to a product that would not have been great. And how much Sony, you know, how much influence does Sony have into this? Because it's their licensed product that's now appearing on HBO's platform. So I'm curious to see how all these entities intertwine in their mix. And I was just kind of worried that it wouldn't be a good mix, but it ended up really being something good and being something that was really enjoyable, but also something that I could be proud of as a video game fan for decades now that there's finally an adaptation out there that no one can say is is disappointing in the least. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, you know, once you have the thumbs up from those diehard fans, you're golden. Just don't Absolutely. mess up the end. Don't mess up the ending. Well, we're now starting to see, you know, like with uh, Uncharted making 400 million worldwide, Sonic the Hedgehog making money, and then obviously the sequel making money, obviously going to be another sequel coming up that can make more money that video game properties, even Halo, which we've just bashed, was a huge <laughs> success for Paramount Plus. You know, the video game adaptations are starting to become real serious. I cannot wait until the thing right behind me in Mass Effect. I'm hoping for the day, Melinda, that it actually is true and it will be officially announced. Not more than a rumor, not more than a, just a screenshot on somebody's yeah. social media not more than a, a possible thing that's being circled around on a deadline report. I want to actually see the day that Mass Effect will be the next faithful video game adaptation. Gears of War is great. You know, Twisted Metal is great. All that stuff is great as far as the video game adaptations, but a true space opera like Mass Effect. I mean, we talked about Zack Snyder bringing out a space opera later this year in Rebel Moon. Why mm -hmm. couldn't he just done a Mass Effect? Who knows? There could be something tying up with licensing. Who knows? Honestly, Love I'm waiting to have that kind of publicity right now for an upcoming because they're, they're making an upcoming Mass Effect. Yeah, I'm waiting for the announcement of a Call of Duty universe that's going to take us through, you know, the beginning of Call of Duty through all the modern warfare. Like, I'm, I'm waiting for those movies because those are you kidding me right now. Yeah, I, I think that was probably inevitable as well. Yeah. But what are your thoughts out there on The Last of Us? Is it the best video game adaptation ever? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. Some little tidbits before we head on out. You mentioned Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon before we started the show. I know that uh, it was recently named uh, or mentioned that it's actually coming back to the screens and the movie screens in February, but also that the BAFTA Awards that ah. All Quiet on the Western Front tied or just got as many nominations as uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon as far as BAFTA is concerned. And we loved, we talked about our love for Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. There's a series coming out with Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon that's in development yeah, right now. In development, yeah. Tron 3 has got a director now. So that looks like it's a go. I can't wait for that to happen. 
some really cool things happening right now on pop culture. But any last thoughts before we head on out? Yes, we are getting back to the live stream for Vampires and Vitae that's coming Sunday, and uh, we are officially back into the main Season 2 campaign. So we're going to get back to Leo, Liam, Helen, and Esther with an addition of a new character. So Sean, who was part of the mini campaign with us, he's decided that he wants to stay over with us into the main campaign. So we'll be introducing all of those on Sunday. Let me ask you a question, though, seriously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Will that be taking place in the closet? No. One, two, three, four, five. I think five people in in this little closet uh, I don't think would, would go very well. Okay. I just want to make yeah. sure because then yeah, no. all... yeah, we'll go downstairs to the makeshift studio, which is attached to our kitchen. <laughs> okay. Because, you know, if they spent time in, in your closet playing the game, by the time they come out, they'll all be wearing your clothing. Absolutely. Yes, they would. Yeah. Every single the, one of them. That's yeah. part of the role play. That's what the DM would ask you to do. <laughs> I want you to try on this jacket. But yeah. before we head this on out, color would look amazing ahead. on you, sir. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But before we head on out, this time next week, the Academy Award nominations will be out. That oh, will have man. been announced. So I'm looking forward to it. I think it's the, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the 24th, if I'm not mistaken. So looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing who the Academy nominations will be about. Who be? Uh, I'm who telling you, our right. little movie that could is going to do it. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. Uh, I think Kate Blanchett's going to beat Michelle Yeoh. I really, I don't, oh, I, don't I mean, know. I, not I, don't I don't know. want her. She's a great actress, but I really like Michelle Yeoh. Michelle Yeoh yeah. made that film. Yeah, also, like, please don't get me wrong. I love wrong. I love me some Kate Blanchett. That lady can do no wrong as far as I'm concerned, but it just feels like Michelle Yeoh's year. It really it does. It does feel like it her year. I, I'm hoping, yeah. I'm hoping for Michelle Yeoh. Just, she just made a fantastic film uh, with the Daniels and, uh, you know, just everybody involved with that. Just truly sensational film. So I'm hoping for everything everywhere all at once gets a ton of nominations and we can talk about who got the nominations who didn't get the nominations who was in who's out who got snubbed and hopefully all that good stuff on next week's pcc multiverse i'm also looking forward to a great conversation as well on pop culture gospels but yes before we head on out one more thing so i've watched uh the golden globes and i've watched michelle yo and everything everywhere all at once win awards and then i watched the critics choice awards and when everything Which everywhere win right but when everything, everywhere, all at once beat James Cameron and how salty James Cameron looked about it on camera, I was like, oh, no, that's that's not what? right, James Cameron. Well, it won for Best Picture and uh, won for Best Supporting Actor, but mm -hmm. did not win for Best Actress. Did not she not critic. win the Golden Globe for that? She won the Golden Globe, but she did not win yeah. the Critic Choice. Yeah. yeah, that's because again, that goes back to that those weird Golden Globes two divisions type deal as far as separating. Right. So everybody gets yeah. award. You get an award, and you get a Golden Globe, and you get a Golden Globe, and you get a. Golden Globe. Where's my Golden Globe? It's deeper in the closet there. You just have to <laughs> it's back in that dark corner right there. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Yeah, don't go too far in there. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> So for Melinda Barkhouse Ross, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself 
You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.